Welcome to Opening Stage VGH, the video game history podcast for everyone. I'm your host, Dean Beaver. I'm once again joined by my lovely wife, Meredith. Hello. Uh, we have another special guest in the studio today. Uh, it's a good friend of mine from uh, Chicago Stomping Grounds. Everyone, please uh, welcome Charles Perot. Welcome, greetings, Charles. Greetings from Chicago. So, Charles, we're going to start just the same way we start just about every time we have a, a guest in the house. Uh, give us your life Try story. Try to take over the world. Pinky <laughs> <laughs> in the brain. Let's note. Okay. Uh, I had to. The door was open. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Charles. I am 55 years old. Uh, I am Chicago native. And uh, I've lived here most of my life, except for college and uh, a little bit of prep school. Uh, and I'm on this because I've known these two uh, for, man, over 10 years now, right? It's like 15. So, is it? Okay. Not me. 16, and actually. I'm like, I'm, I'm just around the nine area. Around the nine. Something like that. <laughs> you, came, you came in a couple of years after, and then there was like this whole matrimonial thing, which is awesome. So we found out that we have this video game thing in common so yeah. uh, obviously that made me a, a possible victim for the podcast <laughs> so uh, here i am well that that kind of leads me into uh my next question is uh what is your personal history with video games uh i was a really young addict basically since i was born if you do the math way back in 65 so I came along uh, before video games. I saw the whole birth of and uh, the evolution of. So what happened was I heard about them. They popped up in the arcades when there was way too much processing machinery needed to put a video game out. So <laughs> I grew up on those arcades, just, just shoving quarters down. Uh, we would go there at the malls. Everywhere you went, that's where your parents would park you. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. So You'd be there, and like the your parents would do all of their shopping, and then come to get you. There's right, a there's right. a dollar. Don't waste it. And when you're done with it, just look at the other demo modes. Exactly. If you get, if you could get them interested in something, it was even better because then you could go back for reups, right? When they're mm -hmm. still in the arcade. Yeah. The problem is if they left you, you had a minimum, you had a budget in your stuff. But uh, at any rate, after uh, the home uh, consoles started to come into being, then you had to, uh, you know, pick and choose uh, because it was always an investment. Oh, we yeah. We had those first ones. Remember, the, the Pong was like the, the first, at least known game that was out there. Mm -hmm. And we actually went out and got that little thing because it only had the one game and it didn't cost a lot. But after that, folks went to like the, the uh, Atari 2600 came out, and that was like an expense. And we couldn't ex we couldn't afford it. We had a cousin. We had to go travel to their house to play that game. Oh yeah, that's how that happened. Uh, we didn't have another one until the Atari 5200 came out. Uh, so all this time, I'm still an arcade junkie all the way into my early 20s. Uh, and then I finally got my own console, which was a, a PS1 back when that was maybe a couple of years old. Uh, a PS2. And then I skipped, and then all the way up until last year, I got a PS4 when I heard that the Final Fantasy remake had come out. And I was uh, so in love with that game back when it first uh, arrived, that I was literally, it was impossible not to go and try it again under all these newfangled. Oh, yeah. Um, Meredith, one of these days we're going to have just like a Final Fantasy VII blowout episode. Um, you keep saying, you keep saying. 
there's gonna be a day where like you lose a bet and you have to like sit down and like experience the game or something. It'll be like a dark, that. dark day on Earth when I lose bet. <laughs> oh, maybe we better go ahead and just put something in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. February. If I remember correctly, Dean used to time when he got quote unquote sick so that no one could take care of him but his aunt but his aunt Kathy. So he'd go and play all of his cousins' video games. Yeah. Um I was gonna I was gonna bring this up earlier when you were talking about going to your cousin's house, but like who had what games was an important deciding factor when you were figuring out who to hang out with. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yeah, we had none. Uh, so we were, <laughs> until we got to the 5200, <laughs> we were the, we were the gypsies. We were wandering from house to house. Like, what do you got? Our family used to be friends with this family that had this like big 4th of July pool party. And then like inside in the basement, they had a Super Nintendo and I was like, Donkey Kong Country. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so much for the pool. Yeah. They were like, you know, there's a pool out there. And I was like, but there's Donkey Kong Country in here. You're also quite pale, so better suited to the basement. Yeah. <laughs> I can swim anytime. Anyway, uh, um, we had, the 2600 got me really addicted to home consoles, <clears throat> but again, it was also kind of like a little special agent thing. So I know what you mean. You're uh, you're you're trying to milk the most out of that visit because it's <laughs> going to be weeks or months before you get back at the console. What was I going to say? You never made it to the pool. No, I I I got I got into the pool at least once. I also pushed a woman into the pool, and she was just about to leave and like close. Ah. Uh, <laughs> It's one of those things that I constantly feel like think about and feel bad about. <laughs> How old were you? I was like three. <laughs> push the girl woman into the pool. No, uh, yeah. Obviously, there's some there was some grand theft auto in your future. <laughs> wow! Why did you see it in a movie or something? I would never have thought of doing that when I was three. No, I. I I think I was at the, I was, I was like on the edge of the pool and like somebody else pushed me in. So I was like, that was really fun. And so like she was in the pool earlier and she had gotten out and like changed and was getting ready to leave. And I was like, that was fun for me. It'll be fun for her. Oh no. That's so much. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Thank God nobody had cell phones at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> There would have been an Amber Alert out for young Dean at that point. <laughs> All right. So I've got this story I've written. Uh, Charles, you know the drill by this point, but if there's anything that you want to say, don't feel bad about interrupting me. It happens all the time and is really what drives the show. So, Gotcha. All right. Hey, honest. Ed Boone and John Tobias were working at Midway Games when they were tasked with creating a game to rival Capcom's Street Fighter II within one year. Oh, yeah. The initial team consisted of four people, Boone as programmer, Tobias and John Vogel as artists, and Dan Forden as sound designer. Gotcha. Boone and okay. Tobias initially set out to create a ninja-themed fighting game, pulling from their love of martial arts movies. However, Midway's entire management team shot down the idea as Midway had intentions to make a game based off of the upcoming Jean-Claude Van Damme action flick, Universal Soldier. Wow. Okay. A deal that would have been different. 
<laughs> a deal which included digitizing Van Damme's likeness for the game. I don't know why that is funny to me. <laughs> I could see him as a video game character. <laughs> he had the whole muscles from Brussels things happening, you know, you know, look like. I was looking through my saved Reddit posts the other day and I found a link. Somebody made these like motivational pictures of just the weird shit that John Claude Van Damme is like said. And I think one of them was like, nobody thinks about what, how cookies feel. <laughs> what? Yeah. There's, there's a reason for that. Because <laughs> they're, they're cookies. They're made for one purpose. <laughs> There's a there's probably a lack of feeling that we all kind of agree on too. I like I don't know no one thinks about how broccoli feels either. <laughs> right? It's a little little closer to alive than cookies. Does he think about chickens? I, I I don't think so. It just dawned on me that this is the second time we've talked about Jean Claude Van Damme on the podcast. Oh. Oh, it's six degrees of Jean Claude. Something like that. Let's see. Unfortunately, Van Damme was already in negotiations with another video game company to use his likeness for an ultimately canceled game. Sucks ah. him. Development of he the came game. back in Street Fighter, the movie anyway, right? Didn't he? Yeah. He was, uh, he was uh, Guile. Guile? Yeah. Colonel William F. Guile. Did, most- he ever, <laughs> was, did he ever realize his dream of becoming a video game character? Actually. I'll have to do some research. They made a video. They made a version of Street Fighter that was based off of the movie, and right. they did get a lot of the digitized actors back. They also put Akuma, who isn't in the movie, in the game. Yeah. So, um, I'll have to do. Yeah, some he research. was. He was in it. Yeah, he got to play a, a well-known character in the in the movie there, and it's a it's one of those. Uh, what do you call it? A a campy. Classic. Oh, I mean, I would expect nothing a, less. I love but Raul it. Julia was in it. He did a great job playing Bison. Yeah, he did. He was that, he was kicking butt. That was his last movie. Yeah, it was. It was. That was sad. I felt bad because uh, he was one of my favorite actors. But he was he was suffering uh, in this last stages of cancer while they were filming. You could see it. The big padded suit. Yeah, he they had on there, yeah, and they padded out the suit because he was like losing so much weight from chemotherapy. Didn't he yeah. do it so his kids? Because his kids, he wanted his kids to like remember him or something. Yeah, his kids were fans of the game, and that's the only reason he did it. Yeah, well, I'm glad he did because he really was one of the only reasons worth watching. Oh well, yeah, that, I'm a huge Ming Now Win groupie, so oh I yeah, was, I was destined to go watch Chun Li. Development of the game progressed with six playable characters, all digitized actors filmed using Boone's own Hi8 camcorder. With playtests performing well among Midway's employees, Boone and Tobias were given additional time and funding to make improvements. Despite this, the game was completed in roughly 10 months in 1992. Wait, wait, question. What's up? They wanted to do a ninja theme game. They Mm -hmm. originally said no because Jean-Claude Van Damme. But then Jean-Claude Van Damme was contracted with another thing. So did they get to do the ninja game? Is that what we're talking about? Yes and no. Ninjas made their way in. Okay. They were definitely part of it. Yeah. Because we because we got the big <laughs> reveal coming here. This is this was a huge. Just turned out to be a huge thing. Okay, okay, right. I'm ready. Right, Dean. Yep. Play it on, Dean. According to Boone, the team had difficulty settling on a name for the game. While names such as Kumite, Dragon Attack, and Death Blow were floated, none of them seemed to stick. One day, somebody wrote the word "combat" on Boone's office whiteboard. Someone else had written a line transforming the C into a K. According to Boone. 
the name just stuck. Thus, so this is Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat was released Shit. to arcades on October eighth, nineteen ninety two. Mortal. Sorry, it makes you want to <laughs> just yell that out. Oh yeah. <laughs> we were talking about uh, this recording session earlier this weekend, and I was like, Meredith, you're going to know what this is about. <laughs> and she was like, Why? And I was like, Because you grew up in the nineties. <laughs> Well, that mean, song was everywhere. <laughs> I don't know this song. What? Uh-oh. Oh, oh my Echo. God. Echo, play the Mortal Kombat song. <laughs> Mortal Kombat by the Immortals from Meredith's Spotify. Is this it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the screaming part. Yeah. Yeah. Echo, stop playing, please. Fun fact that uh, I didn't put in here anywhere. The announcer, the like, Scorpion wins fatality. Like that guy. Uh, uh, EMC, yeah. He was just another uh, Midway employee that they were like, hey, you got kind of a good, like, threatening voice. And the guy was like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did he get resids for that? I don't think so, but <laughs> that's I bullshit. I believe he still wow. he was mainly a pinball machine designer, and huh. that's that's why he was at Midway in the first place. Huh? Then they go and use the man's voice. And don't pay him. That's wrong. <laughs> that is BS. And throwing somebody get... off the bridge for that. There's a. Should get residual resids. He should. Yeah. The Japanese port released by Taito was named Mortal Kombat. Legend of the Advent God Fist. God wow. Fist. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and it includes that on a video fist. console. <laughs> the villainous Shang Tsung was banished from Earthrealm to Outworld 500 years ago. However, according to the rules of the Elder Gods, if none from Earthrealm can triumph in the holy tournament of Mortal Kombat ten times in a row, then Earthrealm shall be consumed by Outworld. The game follows 10 characters. Wait, you're going to be consumed. Hang on. on. Yeah, Yeah, I have questions. Yeah, we both got questions. (laughs) (laughs) So they banish somebody. Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung gets banished from the outer realm. From Outworld. Outworld, okay. To Earth realm, which is us. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming he's banished because he did something wrong. Okay. And yet they're going to let... So he's he's they're, our they're, definitely our, our chief bed. Well, okay, part of our so one of our chief bed. Outer <laughs> world's criminal is yep. sent to us, like so, <laughs> like we're Australia, and if no one from us can defeat him ten times, they get our planet. They get our our dimension, basically. What that's that's yeah, that, that I just our planet, our whole dimension. Yeah. Who freaking agreed to that? <laughs> Somebody was asleep at the wheel, first of all. And second, I thought we were just going to be subjugated. I didn't realize we were going to be consumed. Oh, yeah. That is is appreciably worse. (laughs) I mean, this is like a bad fantasy film. The film. They're going to eat us if we lose. Okay. Got it. Consumed. Okay. Uh, Charles, you had a question? No, that was it. The whole whole imbibing or consuming thing has distressed me because I lost that in the original (laughs) interpretation of the story. I mean, you don't really play fighting games for the story. I know, but I'd have been in more of a panic while I was fighting. (laughs) 
the stakes are a little higher. I mean, subjugation is one thing. You yeah. can maybe escape subjugation, do an overturn, <laughs> overthrow, right? but consumption implies digestion. Where'd <laughs> you come back from? All right. Don't Wait, did you hear about that here. dude? Did you hear about that dude who for real got swallowed by a whale accidentally? Oh yeah, that was like a few weeks ago. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah. Like a, oh, a baleen, a baleen whale accidentally swallowed him. And he was like, ah, and he could feel like the whale's muscles like working. And he was like struggling and like beating on the whale and the whale didn't like it. And eventually the whale puked him out. Oh, OK. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he got to be like inside a whale. Yeah. So con- he understands consumption is how I'll bring it back around. He's a regular Jonah over here. <laughs> 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 or Geppetto if you want to go the Disney route. Yeah, that could that could happen to you. He should have like fire start a fire in his belly <laughs> and whatnot. Who has kindling that's dry in a whale? Okay, you've never seen Pinocchio, have you? I have. It has been a while. I still think like dry kindling in a whale is a stretch. Well, Mo- Monstro had room to spare, apparently. Oh, yeah. So Oh, I forgot his yeah. name was Monstro. How creative they were back then. Mm-hmm. Was that like the Italian for Monst- <laughs> Monstro? Were they just adding O's on everything back then and pretending it was Italian? Oh, oh God, everyone had to know. <laughs> Pinocchio, Geppetto. Well, Jimmy Cricket, he was obviously American. He was a tourist. What was the yeah, name of the true. cat? The cat had a name as well. Figaro. Figu- yeah. They all had O's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, the, not the blue. There wasn't a blue fairio, so you're yeah. right. You're you're okay with it. She was Her and Dimity were obviously the the, the tourists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the game follows ten characters, seven of which are playable. Liu Kang, a Chinese Shaolin monk who enters the tournament to protect Earthrealm from being swallowed by Outworld, clearly inspired mm. by Bruce Lee. Ah. Uh, yep. the noises. Oh yeah. He used to make all of those. They would just they would use clips of that on everything after it came out. Yeah, he oh. has he has that bicycle kick. Yeah. <laughs> what is a bicycle oh, kick? He like jumps in front of it, like up in front of his opponent and like kicks you back. All the way across the screen. Yeah. He, like pedals. His gravity. Yeah, he does. And he just kicks you. Yeah, like 30 times as he crosses the screen. Yeah. And he always goes like Exactly. It sounds like a Three Stooges thing. It was it was not plausible from martial arts standpoint. <laughs> but, you know, I always thought I always thought levitation was like a tenth degree or something. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> Raiden, the lightning fueled protector of Earthrealm. Raiden, lightning fueled. Yeah, lightning. Yeah, does he drink it? No, he just like all of his attacks have like lightning powers. Is he Thor? No, he's a god. Also a god, though. He's oh, just he from is. a different mythology. Yep. He's oh. from a different mythology, so he doesn't come with all of that Odin and Loki baggage. He just, so is he he's an Earthrealm person? Or, or did he most just, of the world knows. Does he just come down to like to help out? Well, kind of both. Yeah, he's kind of like our coach, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he's supposed to be the protector of Earthrealm. Uh, oh. But he was like made by the Elder Gods or something like that. It's got to be a nice perk. Inspired by the lightning god of the same name from Big Trouble in Little China. I don't uh, remember this part of Big Trouble oh, in Little man. China. Um, oh, you, you didn't see that movie with Kurt Russell? I, we, we saw it. Yeah, we saw it. 
That movie was Dean awesome. freaking loved it. And I think Dean laughed oh, so much that I missed that is a lot beautiful of it. Movie. Well, if you, re- if you remember the main villain was a sorcerer and he had those three instruments. They were called the three storms. Yeah. And Raiden was the one who came riding down out of uh, riding down out of the heavens on a bolt of lightning. And the whole time he's doing like his Kung Fu katas and whatnot like that. There's just lightning firing out of his arms and, and hands left, right and sideways. He was easily the coolest looking character in the entire show. Yeah. So does this guy do the same thing? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, I wish I, I had loved lightning. playing Raid, and that was half the fun of playing him is that you could just step back and go zap. <laughs> and the other guy is like trying to punch you, and then he just posted. <laughs> you're like, yeah. You're Never bring a your... punch to a lightning fight. <laughs> so he had some good ones, and he yeah. could also do across the screen stuff. That was a big part of their uh, their attacks was that you had something that you'd have to have something where you could cross the entire screen charge the other person into the wall or run them over kind of yeah. thing, right? Raiden would just, he would just, he would fly like Superman, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. Thing? Yeah. It was just like, boom. That's uh, awesome. I wish I had those powers. Me too. Johnny Cage, oh. a, a cocky, pompous Hollywood movie star who enters the tournament to prove that he doesn't rely on special effects when making his films. It's important to note that Cage's initials, J.C., are the same ah. as those of Jean-Claude. Oh, I was going to ask if it was like a Nicolas Cage, but I knew it was too early. No, mm-hmm. no. The whole character was a dig at them not getting able to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. Does this character get beaten up a lot? I mean, depending on who you're fighting, everybody gets beat up a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right. But he's the one who basically has the, uh, what do you call it? The comic angle because he's kind of like overdone buffoonish, you know, a little bit like he's a ham. He's a total Hollywood ham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He like when he wins a match, he like takes out some sunglasses (laughs) and he like crosses his arms like a badass. I would hate him. (laughs) Sonia Blade. Most players did. Sonia. Yeah. Hailing from Austin, Texas, Sonia is a member of the United States Special Forces. Oh. She she enters the tournament in pursuit of a crime lord named Kano. Oh, yeah. Do we get to meet Kano? We do. Yeah. He's he's one of the players. How he he ends up helping out Earth, we we have some some controversy over. She was chasing him (laughs) and then picked up the tournament on the way, apparently. That's, That's kind of a little side trip, huh? Yeah. Like, I'm bringing you to justice, but first... I will also save the world because <laughs> I'm an, a woman and I multitask. There we go. Multi, that's right. Exactly. She had priorities. I like it. Sub-Zero. Oh, my favorite. Alias of Bihan, a Chinese assassin from the Lin Kuei clan. He enters the tournament to slay Shang Tsung and steal the island's treasures. He has the power of cryokinesis. The ability to freeze his opponents for a short time during battle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And had the coolest of the ninja outfits, too, because his was blue. I piss off all the Scorpion fans out there because you either fall (laughs) into one camp or the other. You're either a Sub-Zero guy or a Scorpion guy. And whichever one you like, the other one sucks. So wait, so what it is, what is it? What did his outfit look like? Yeah, let me let me see if I can share my screen. Uh, you still have to describe it for those. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, I definitely wasn't playing Minesweeper while I was waiting for this to start. Um, <laughs> I never knew Minesweeper would get so big. Subs. Oh, he's got like a 
Well, let's start off with the original one because it gets kind of weird, but it's it's kind of bare bones when it starts out. Uh, yeah. He's got the blue and black thing going on, which I believe that combo is always a little badass. Yeah. Like a black base and blue filigree going on. His He's got like a mask that reminds me of a villain mask, though. Like one of those like full on COVID face mask things. Yeah. He's ahead of his time. Um well that was their that was their ninja thing getting into it when they uh when they first did the, the rollout of these uh, oh. uh the lineup of these characters. Him and the uh, you can see the uh the scorpion has a basically the same outfit only he's gold in this yeah in that photo there yeah oh so, god uh, in that photo there he is punching his eyes out yeah um, yeah it is mortal combat not yeah. you know kind of like uh, injurious combat oh it's my not, god yeah it's not hurt your feelings combat but no <laughs> his eyes are flying out of his face in a fountain of blood yeah that's uh that's kind of par for the course as far as this goes <laughs> Anyway, I just never saw a still photo of that before. Good family. (laughs) As the series progressed, there's actually like a kaleidoscope of different colored ninjas. Um, As a matter of fact, there's one. We're not going to talk about it here. Another thing that Mortal Kombat is kind of famous for is overly complicated ways to unlock secret characters. One of the one of the like programming menus for the game listed this thing called Ermac, which stood for error macros in the programming. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is, but it was there. It had a, a counter for those, and people knew about the debug menu. And the same menu also listed the appearances of the secret character that we're going to talk about in just a bit. So people thought there was like another secret character in the game called Ermac. And <laughs> And they actually, like, the developers actually picked up on the rumors, and they made a character later named Ermac, who's a red ninja. Oh, so. that's funny. And it was easy enough, because they were they were cheating with a lot of their stuff to save money, uh, special effects-wise. Yeah. So they literally yeah. had these guys in, like, reflective or uh, neutral uh, colored outfits when they filmed them, so that they could digitally just lay the color on it later. Yeah. So half of those, the ninja wearing the same thing. In fact, some of the moves were the same. You could tell, and you're <laughs> like, okay, that's the same guy, but he's got on red and green and blue. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, but but hey, it worked. Scorpion, alien. Mm. Okay. <laughs> we're n- we're not going to have scorpion fans. We're not going to have this argument, Charles. <laughs> Are you okay. a scorpion fan? Hell yeah, he was cool. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he has probably the most recognizable move in the whole game. Right. Does he do a scorpion kick? No. What happens is if like your opponent is on the other side of the screen, he throws a rope from his hand and yells, "Get over here!" and like pulls you over to him. <laughs> yeah, and then you can like punch and kick him in the face. Which is why I hate him because you know <laughs> you could you could not escape that that stupid grappling hook <laughs> and he had another move like if that didn't work like you could block that move but if that didn't work you could do the move where he like jumps off of one screen and comes on like and punches you from the other yeah he could teleport how is that ever fair in a fight <laughs> he could disappear and pop up behind you i'm like all right now we're suspending disbelief here. But let me <laughs> let me extol the virtues of my Sub Zero guy versus this. At least Sub Zero, if he wanted to switch sides on you, 
he would ice up the floor and slide underneath you. Yeah, that is you pretty in cool. The process. That was cool. And okay, still a little in, impossible, but <laughs> <laughs> at least you saw him move from A to B. You could factor that into your fight strategy. There, there ain't no predicting a guy who's going to pop up. <laughs> Jump around the world. <laughs> I believe in the Harry Potter verse. It's called apparating. Is it okay? Yeah, well, he was doing that. He was Harry Pottering on us. I, I took offense. <laughs> Alias of Hanzo Hasashi, a warrior of the Shirai Ryu Ninja Clan, who was killed by Sub Zero long ago. He, wait, he is wait. Okay, go ahead. I think you're going to answer my question. He is resurrected as a specter of hellfire and enters the tournament to kill Sub-Zero. Oh, so that's why he can teleport. Yes. He's not a person. Avenging his family as well as himself. He's dead. Well, although I know what I'm I know what my death goals are. (laughs) Rip off your face and (laughs) people teleport and install a grappling hook in my sleeve. Yeah, corporeal grappling hook. <laughs> yeah. That does seem to be bending the cannon a bit. Yeah. Actually, in the movie, it came right out of his hand. Yeah. That was kind of gross. Ew. Yeah. He's like Wolverine, but he's got ropes. Yeah. And he, exactly. In the movie, he like fights Johnny Cage in this like bamboo grove on this jungle island. Because, you know, jungle islands have those. <laughs> yep. Infinite I mean, bamboo forest. I remember that. Yeah. I do hear that bamboo is kind of sustainable and easy to grow. Yeah, it's like hard to get rid of. (laughs) Kano, an Australian mercenary and leader of the international crime cartel, the Black Dragon. He enters the tournament to loot Shang Tsung's island, much like Sub-Zero. A previous encounter with Sonya left him with a metal faceplate. Oh, so there's like a rivalry. Yeah, and he's he's got this like... Yeah, he's got this like metal plate that covers Phantom like, of the opera kind of thing happening there yeah does he sing no he doesn't uh oh. but he, he he is australian so it's it's fun when you oh, that would have been awesome it's fun oh, when hey, you hear spike boy wait wasn't isn't you jackman an aussie i think he is that's how he knows nicole kidman yeah i may have told this story uh on the podcast before but i remember hearing uh, an interview with Hugh Jackman and he was talking about how he was in a play on Broadway and the play had him kiss another man and he was like five years into playing Wolverine at this point and so like they're going in for the kiss and somebody in the audience yells don't do it Wolverine (laughs) (laughs) and he was like as an actor you're supposed to stay in the moment no matter what but everyone kind of broke up at that point (laughs) it's kind of hard not to that one. It's true. They've had Wolverine do a lot of things, but kissing another man is, I don't, to my knowledge, has not been in his repertoire up until now. No, not yet. Not yet. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah, usually the only thing he kisses is beer. That's <laughs> true. Goro, a monstrous half human, half dragon beast from Outworld. Goro is. He is my favorite. Goro is the four armed, nine time champion of the Mortal Kombat tournament. Goro is the only character to be portrayed via digitized clay model rather than Ooh. an actor and is impervious to throwing attacks. Oh, so they, he they couldn't is. find a guy with four arms? Oh, uh, yeah, they were fresh out of those. He's a claymation dragon person. Yeah. Uh, I like all of those things. <laughs> Let me. He was, he, 
he could do a, a, a lot more moves because he was made of clay. Yeah. So they had a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Okay. The lats are interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, fourth arm. That dude cosplaying oh, him wow. is just that, like that, that is, is just, some bad cosplay. That right is there. Uh, just <laughs> it's just upsetting to me. That is bad. all right. I want I want to describe Holy this. Oh, I'm drinking. Oh my god, drinking to forget now. So he's got. <laughs> Sorry, you guys in the audience, you are actually very glad you can't see this poor poor soul playing Goro, dude. For real. <laughs> uh, so this guy. Is dressed up as Goro. Uh, it's on I, Wikipedia. How is he on Wikipedia? That's, How did he our, make that's Wikipedia? That's our reference. I'm going to say this guy is probably around 275 pounds. <laughs> and it is not muscle. Pure rippling blab. <laughs> and we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to fat shame anybody. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. But, but um, his, his, his arms are ill-fitting. Uh, his 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 has, third and fourth arm. He has his two regular arms and his Str- extra arms. I'm pretty sure are just pantyhose. I think they are pantyhose with rubber gloves on the end, and I think they are strapped right underneath his nipples. And he is not wearing a shirt, <laughs> um, and he's yeah. not wearing shoes. Yeah, how do you get in there? Not wearing shoes. He's got some sort of a crazy but, hairnet. But going he is on. wearing socks and, and, and some bicycle very, shorts proud of himself and the lady deadpool is in the back oh yeah lady deadpool looks much more aptly dressed in this photo here uh goro i don't know this guy he he could have at least shaved too you know goro doesn't have even eyebrows so this guy having like a five o'clock shadow and you know kind of like that bohemian look the real goro however well look they've got a goro funko pop um that's kind of there's no way to make that one cute and innocent looking. No, those those red eyes are really popping. Does, does he have a tail? I can't see. No, I don't oh. think so. Um, but he's half dragon. What is the dragon part? He does he have has, kind of a reptilian look to his face. Yeah, he's. That's he's, about it. I don't think also, dragons have four arms. He's also really big and has two extra arms. Yeah. This this is this disappointing that. to me. I was hoping for wings, some breathing of fire. None of that. That would have made sense. That would have yeah. made sense. I never, I, I don't recall oh, the thing about it. For what it's worth, uh, I also, I don't, I didn't write a lot about the movie in this because I didn't want it to be about the movie. But apparently <laughs> the, the animatronics used in Goro for the live action movie were like the most complex animatronics ever created at the time. To that point, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. I, he didn't do all that much, but okay, I, yeah. I, can, I can grant you that. We hadn't seen much but E.T. waving his arms around up until that point anyway, so I guess, yeah. you know, the bar was pretty low. Uh, but Johnny Cage did do the splits and then punched Goro in the dick. In that the was, split? Yeah. While he was in the splits. That was that was a move that he yeah, had. That, that was, was a big thing from the game. Yeah, that was his signature move, Johnny Cage's, is that he would do the splits and then punch the person in the groin. That seems... I mean, I'm not a dude. I was going to say, it seems like all of those things are anti-dude. Yeah. You're in a different kind of fight when that kind of stuff starts happening. You're like, okay, I get it. Prison rules. Yeah. (laughs) Shang Tsung, Mortal Kombat's Grandmaster, a powerful evil warlock. He absorbs the souls of defeated fighters to retain his youth. 
and is capable of transforming into them. Okay. He, he's the final foe of the first Mortal Kombat game. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's an evil warlock and a yes. soul eater. He eats souls. Yeah. He's a soul eater. Whoa, here he comes. <laughs> I mean. All this time, you know, those songs where you get the lyrics from. <laughs> He'll chew you up. All right. So. He'll chew you up. <laughs> He's a soul eater. I mean, he kind of had to. He, he was a, a, a really cool final boss with the whole mystical, magical thing going on. And, you know, the reason we're fighting the whole thing, too, you know, yeah. is because he's consumption. He's hanging out. Avoiding yeah, he's gonna, consumption. He's going to eat us and our souls. I mean, there's going to be nothing left when these guys are done. Okay. Does he get? Is it possible that he could eat your soul in the game? He, that's not. Well, that's his just fatality, attacks. wasn't it? I think he maybe. sucked your soul out in his fatality, didn't he? Ooh. Maybe in the second game. The second game, uh, he's a regular, like a regular ass character. Oh, um, so he just beat you to death at the end if you got the, the fatalities. Something you know like about that. the fatalities, right? Oh, we'll get there. I, oh. oh, okay, we get those. Are, that's oh my god, the popularity of this game is. That's going to be a big part. Anyway, back to oh, Shang yeah. Tsung. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa uh-huh. playing Shang Tsung in the movie is ever going to be the voice of him in my head. He or they just finished up additional support for Mortal Kombat 11 and they Did- got him to come back and do the motion capture and uh, oh. voice of Shang Tsung. Mm. He's in back, baby. Pass. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's you in the movie. Check him out. <laughs> Does he have like a really deep voice or something? He, he has a, a very, uh, what do you call it? A uh, smooth, melodic type of voice. Yeah, let me see. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's not even sing-songy, but it's, it's, it's got a lilt to it. And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call it? it? He sounds like what a sorcerer would sound like. You know, he's like, uh, what do you call it? He's coercing. He's seducing all the time. Ah, like, he's got like a radio voice. Yeah, yeah. He could totally be a, a radio guy. You got a you got a you got a clip of old Chang somewhere. Uh, give me a sec. I'll try and find something. Is that him? Oh, yeah, that was look- him in that that one of that uh, thumbnail right there where he's like posing for the movie. But uh, yeah, they wrote in more scenes for him uh, in the movie because uh, they were loving how uh, you know he hosted. Oh, your soul is mine compilation. <laughs> right. There we go. Your brother's soul. Mine. Ah! You will be next. Oh. oh, God! Your soul is mine. No! Okay. Slightly horrifying. Your soul is mine. Shang Tsung wins. Nice. If I ever own a dragon, I'm going to name it Shang Tsung. That was slightly terrifying. Because, like, you know, if you die, you hope that your soul goes somewhere else. But if someone's eating your fucking soul, they can turn into you and use all your moves. It's just terrible. Well, maybe if you twitch around enough, you can 
throw you back out like the whale, you know. <laughs> Start a little fire in there. Yeah. Some dry kindling. <laughs> Just because I'm going to get a whale and name it Monstro. <laughs> of all the souls you've eaten, has anyone ever started a fire inside you? <laughs> so oh, he I wasn't know. he wasn't playable, right, in the game, and certainly not in the original. Not in the uh, first game, no. He was just like one of those end boss, you know. Well, I think he was the end boss, right? He yeah. was, yeah. Because when you're playing the game, you're you play as one character, so it's kind of assumed that all of the other characters' souls are eaten by him. Oh. And when you when you're fighting him, like he can turn into any of the other characters. So you may as well just be fighting the whole game. Uh, when you like land the final blow, your character backs away and he's like, ah, and like other characters are like flying out of him because their, their souls are free now. Oh, <gasps> it's always a yeah. relief when your soul is free from yeah. the evil warlock. Right. So if you get eaten, there's that's your last hope is somebody will beat him and then you get to, to fly out. Johnny Cage yeah. will do his split dick punch and then <laughs> all of these souls will fly out. Yeah, you, <laughs> you don't wanna you wanna leave your fate up to that guy. <laughs> There's actually a soul eater in the one of the books that I recommended you, Charles, the ninth house one. Oh, okay. That's in it. case you wanted more soul eating in your life. You know, it's a it's a new thing. We've gone past the Atkins and Paleo. All the cool people are doing it. That's right. Old 30. The last character, Reptile. Drum roll. There we go. An enigmatic foe who can only be challenged by meeting an obscure set of requirements. This character has the abilities of both Scorpion and Sub-Zero and is the first secret character in fighting game history. It's like they brought the people who hate each other together in one. Um, All right. As a and matter, saved money on the special effects. Yeah, as a matter <laughs> of fact, as a matter of fact, he is green, <laughs> which is blue and yellow put together. <laughs> yes, for all of those who have not learned their color wheel yet. Mortal Kombat was met with almost instant commercial and critical success. Obviously, the, as it's coming out with number 11. The decision to use digitized actors resulted in graphics that were considered cutting edge at the time. The game's, oh, yeah. ar- the game's arcade success saw ports to almost every contemporary console at the time, including the Super Nintendo and Game Boy, as well as the Sega Genesis and Game Gear. The Game Boy and Game Gear versions of the game are considered awful. So, <laughs> Oh, I was wondering how Game Boy would do that. <laughs> Not well, can well. I throw in a note about your live action there? Because I, I actually know some of the people involved in this. Oh, so, uh, a cool thing about Mortal Kombat is, is filmed. A lot of the studio times filmed here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midway, Midway the, Games. What's his name? Uh, the martial artists that appeared in Mortal Kombat were mostly students of a woman who ran a dojo here and then went on to gold medal Olympics fame in Taekwondo. Her name is Arlene Lemus. Who oh. has come by uh, the dojo a few times, actually. So she has these guys uh, as part of her dojo. And she says, you know, these guys are casting, you know, and they need real martial arts, you know, uh, stunt type people. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, are any of you guys interested? I'm amazed that she didn't, she didn't appear in it. She would have been great. But, uh, but there you have it. I, I, I've actually met a few of them and uh, it's actually, you know, pretty cool stuff that they use real people because they could have easily just use some, some stand around guys at uh, Midway, you know, like some guys working out in the loading dock in the back or something like just put on this ninja suit. Jump yeah. around. That's uh, probably why it would probably why people liked it. I know yeah, I gave it a little bit of uh, authenticity that, uh, you know, those old uh, karate master games and whatnot like that did not have, even though they could, uh, you know, animate it, it didn't look like a real person mm-hmm. doing real fighting. So it was, there was some realism that, that none of the other fight games had it. I know the, a lot of the characters were, were portrayed by a guy named Daniel Pacina. Mm-hmm. Did you all- meet him? I did not meet Daniel. I also want to point out uh, that I may have chosen Charles for this because he's a Chicago-based martial artist. Hey, Chicago! Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've talked about I've talked about, or I've at least told Meredith about this as well. The demo mode that we were talking about earlier—it's basically the stuff that's that the game is playing like when people aren't actively playing it. I, I guess it's probably more like an attract mode, Meredith. Um, like the trailer. Yeah, it, it's it's made. Yeah, it's made to to show you how cool the game is, so that you put quarters in it and play it. Mortal Kombat Two, att- the Mortal Kombat Two attract mode had a screen where it told you how to get a copy of the game's soundtrack, and basically Ooh. you would you would send twenty five dollars to this and an order form to this their processing wherever, and the 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 address is in Chicago. It's like on Irving Park Road. North That's side. so funny. Yeah. 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 That was where, uh, you know, where, where a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the dojos that spawned some of these, some of these martial artists came from and also where, uh, you know, they did some of the, the, the filming in somebody's warehouse somewhere. I, yeah. that I only remember by somebody's uh, documentary about some of these uh, early games, but for, for but anyone who doesn't cool. know, we all, all three of us lived very close to Irving park road spitting distance or Charles actually still does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just about a mile north. Yep, yeah. Let's see. And I will say that I also consider myself a Chicago-based martial artist because I mostly <laughs> did martial arts in Chicago. I've done a ton in uh in Nashville. Yeah, but you're on like every episode. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I just want to say you're a national <laughs> national martial. How about that? <laughs> My martial arts loyalty lies in Chicago currently. Mortal Kombat's defining feature was its over-the-top gore and violence. I mean, eyeballs. Whereas Street Fighter 2 had a much more cartoony aesthetic in comparison, Mortal Kombat's blood and magical powers produced a savage, bone-crunching experience for the player. The most savage and bone-crunchingest of which were the games. games I just got to say, I don't know if I personally want a bone-crunching experience. (laughs) <laughs> like, like maybe you want to like witness one or maybe you want to crunch some bones i don't want to experience <laughs> bone crunching the most savage and bone crunchingest of which were the game's fatalities when a character has oh, yeah. has won two rounds of a best in three match they are given a short amount of time to perform a super move which explicitly results in your rival's death scorpion explicitly Scorpion removes his mask and spews hellfire, devouring his opponent in flames. Sub-Zero rips the head off of his opponent, or rips the head of his opponent from his body, spine dangling, Uh, and holds it aloft in victory. uh Raiden sends enough light... 
<laughs> Raiden sends enough lightning into his rival to make their heads explode. Pretty, pretty standard. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty standard fare. As the game well, yeah, made... what does Dragon Dude do? I think he rips your arms off. Okay, yeah, doesn't so Goro why... rip your arms off? I think he does. Like, yeah. later he games, has he kind of... extra arms because he needs more arms. Well, he well he could probably like hold you up so that you can't run away with like two arms and then like punch a hole through your stomach with the other one. All right. Yeah. I'm just wondering if he's I confuse him. Why didn't he like have the flame breathing one? I think he probably they thought of him last. Yeah, I am not happy with this half dragon thing. I don't <laughs> think it's backed up in the story. No, nah, they, they didn't really. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Substantiate that claim. This this should have been fixed in editorial is what I'm saying. I was just going off what the source told me. OK, I know. I'm just giving my critique of Mortal Kombat in case they would like to improve in future versions. Oh, well, we're about to get into the critique of Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. As the game made its way to home consoles, changes were made to appeal to the widest possible audience. The Sega Genesis version hid the blood and fatalities behind a well-publicized cheat code. Mm. The Super Nintendo version changed the red blood to gray sweat and, oh. and edited the fatalities that weren't taken out altogether. The Sega Genesis... Okay. gray sweat? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of shots where you're hitting somebody and they're just spewing blood left, right, and sideways, which is yeah. part of the attraction. So they turn uh, into sweat. But gray seems gross. I mean, what a, <laughs> you only have a limited color palette to work with on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> they hadn't really nailed trans translucent. <laughs> they hadn't really nailed transparent textures yet. So. <laughs> right. There you go. Gray. The Sega Genesis version outsold the Super Nintendo version four to one and was a critical factor in the raging rivalry between the two companies. Like, yeah, we got the blood. You can com you can com basically complain all you want, but, you know, the blood sells. Oh, yeah. People, people want fatality, you know, back up off us. They do not want gray sweat. No, mm -hmm. no. no. Everybody knows why you bought Mortal Kombat. You wanted to see some bone crunching action. This yeah, you, experience. Device. Yeah, you experience. bought the game because you wanted to rip a dude's head off. Right. And half his spine dangle. Yeah. yeah. And half the spine. Exactly. And uh and not just dudes, you know, Sonya Sonya killed off her fair share. Oh yeah. You know? What was her fatality? I don't she would, uh, would you would she smash you with that uh that, that upside down uh head scissor thing? Maybe. She crush you into the ground with that, or did she blow a hole through you? She had weapons. So that yeah, was, I think she, a lot I think, of ways to do it. I think she actually like put a grenade in your mouth or something like that. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to check out. We'll have to do some, some research. I was never good at this game. Like, <laughs> I so. learned my my two three characters and got great at them. Nobody else. I was like, everything else was just a button mash and yanking on the, the stupid joystick wasn't doing the thing right. You became palsied when you, you, you played a character that you didn't know. Yeah. What's really funny is that this whole thing produced a Saturday morning children's cartoon. What? <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat? Dude? Oh, oh, yeah. It was terrible. I'll bet. How, how are you going to squeeze in a fatality or three when there's, you know, Seven-year-old crowd watching. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't do any of that 
there's a there's a character in the second game called Jax. Yes. And they just made him the like stereotypical. Yeah, he's Sonia's partner. He has metal arms in the third game because his arms were ripped off during the second game by uh, the dragon dude. No. Probably by Gore. <laughs> Something like somebody that. Ripped, somebody ripped him off in the new movie. Spoiler alert! In the new Mortal Kombat movie, that's that's you know that's one of the things that Goro does is goes ripping people's. It's not how Jax loses his though. Oh, okay. goodness. Well, I'll let you figure that one out when you or see that one. for Anyway, but uh, they put Jax and there's no easy way to say it. Like they made Jax the black guy. Oh, yeah. He got the, he got the, 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 the dude bro <laughs> treatment through and through. He was yeah. just he was there to be Mr. Mr. T like everybody else at that time. He was like the defining, you know, like angry black, you know, oh. carrying on. Over so the did top. they? So was that what he was doing in the children's show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was he the children's show host? Was, was did they decide to like remake Mr. T with Jax? I mean, kind of. That was, that was half of the characters at that point. If, if you weren't getting any work unless you were being gruff and wow. preferably had a mohawk. Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember watching the Mr. T children's show when I was a child. <laughs> And he was hilarious, though. I give him credit because he was he was that was authentic. That was who he was. So when he was being rude to those kids, I don't know how he got to be a gymnastics coach in that show. But I know that, that was and him. They had that one dude who had the, <laughs> the dog, but the kid's name was Spike and not the dog. <laughs> and he was always the one getting in trouble. He was like this redheaded child. And he was like, I don't want to go to school. School's done. It's like, you stay in school. <laughs> You fool! <laughs> there you In go. In my van, I'm gonna drive you to school. <laughs> he did. He had like a kidnapper van. Yeah, that, that he that, drove everyone around in. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> I was about to wow. That was never explained how he came to be the uh, caretaker of all of these impressionable young kids. But and gymnastics, to... like who would, did he do gymnastics ever? Not, never, never in his life. <laughs> so they wow. decided on that one. I but... would love to be in the pitch room for that. Like, okay, guys. <laughs> there was also Mr. T. There was also a gymnastics team in a van. <laughs> Traveling Sorry. the world or the countryside, solving uh... crime. There was also a Rambo. Saturday I watched that too. Cartoon. No way. Yes. No yes. way. I used okay. to watch that. And now my mind day, is blown. <laughs> my parents, my dad was watching like kind of on the side because I had a routine. It was like Voltron and then it was G.I. Joe and then it was Rambo. Well, one day <laughs> and they wonder why, why we're all screwed up in Gen X. Anyway, so. One day I was watching Rambo and there was a kid who was on drugs and Rambo was trying to like help get the kid off drugs. Did he he stab him? No, no, I I forget why. But uh, but my dad saw it. and He was like, you're not watching this show anymore. I was like, no, dad, he's trying to get the kid off drugs. And my dad's like the fact that there are drugs on this show. And it was just kind of like, have you even watched any cartoons in the 80s? He just happened to be in the room that day. So I couldn't watch Rambo anymore. So my routine was disrupted. There's a an episode of the show where Rambo saves Christmas. Oh, well, that's encouraging, at least. (laughs) 
I can't get over the fact that all Rambo does is kill people. So how, how do you how do you make that a cartoon experience? I think that they were like, I think they were like, GI Joe is popular. Let's like make up a five letter acronym. Call it like Griffin or something terrorist organization, and it's up to Rambo to save it. Well, you know. It, G.I. Joe, they they had they had a one easy out. You know, there was like thousands of rounds fired per episode and nobody ever got hit. Yep. That was that was the, the, the key to G.I. Joe. It was like they were always shooting at each other and nobody got shot. They were also uh, shooting with like lasers. Yeah, they shot lasers. So you got you got a little burn, like a little cigarette burn. Ah. And you you did a little, yep, you did exactly that. And then the next episode you'd be back. Rambo's Actually, running around with a knife that's like 15 inches long how how are you gonna <laughs> cartoon your way around i that? just love the fact that my dad was totally cool with me watching rambo as a cartoon until there was a kid on drugs. drugs in the plot another fun fact they Ram- wouldn't buy me the he-man male toys i could only have the she-ra toys but really? i was cool to watch yeah no they wouldn't buy me i wanted battle cat and i wanted all the voltron lines but no they'd buy me she-ra I think they were afraid I was going to be gay. I could be wrong. <laughs> Rambo toys leads to a whole sexual preference there. Rambo is a downloadable character in Mortal Kombat 11. Mm. Wow, you got four arms. That's what the thing says right there. Who the hell are you? The fire that burns the sun. If you say so, you're a sharpshooter. How about a bullet to the head to prove it? That's not going to happen. What's with all the robot parts? My organic body was destroyed in the line of duty. Is that Robocop? Should have been put in your misery. What is this? Um, this Oh, here is what's his name. No, this is another one. This is another one. Uh, But uh, later Mortal Kombat's have a a habit of using movie characters that universe uh warner brothers has the rights to because warner brothers actually owns the studio that makes mortal Kombat now and so they have access they have rights access to all of these characters so there's one mortal Kombat game where the uh alien from the alien movies and the predator are characters this one has robocop uh rambo uh spawn okay the person that's on the the terminator right now I just want to point out. Yeah, well, oh, so- the Terminator. Nice. No, I did. Yeah, and the Terminator. Uh, that wasn't what I wanted. Try, right. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, well, the person that you had had four you arms, hands, and the right? two arms in the back. Eight. Once I have yours. Oh, is that the collector guy? Yeah. Collectors are in charge. They made it. They made four up a new guy. Is terminated. Oh, Schwarzenegger. I, I'm told you're a guy. Also, Sylvester Stallone did come back to do Rambo's voice, but they couldn't get Arnold Schwarzenegger to voice the uh, to voice Terminator. Really? I know. Uh, that was that was weird. <laughs> yeah, they've got what? What is there? Something like forty characters now for the the latest Mortal Kombat. It's really- oh yeah. I mean, it's not to like the eighty that Super Smash Brothers is up to, but whatever. Yeah. They pride themselves on that. They're like, if you're not in Super Smash Brothers, you're not even a celebrity. Yeah. Bill Anderson's nine-year-old son asked for a video game for his Sega Genesis called Mortal Kombat. Anderson almost bought the game before doing some research and finding out about the extremely violent content. Mm -hmm. This 
upset Anderson so much that he brought the matter up to his boss, United States Senator Joseph Lieberman. Senator Lieberman began his own research and together with Senator Herbert Cole called for congressional hearings on the increasing amounts of realistic depictions of violence in video games. Mm-hmm. It's important to his career out of that stuff. Oh yeah, I did. It's important to note that Mortal Kombat was not the only video game to draw ire from America's concerned parents. Two other video games were the focal point of the congressional hearings, Digital Pictures' Night Trap and Konami's Lethal Enforcers. Ooh, man. I have not heard of either of those. Uh, Night Trap was that live video thing of people being assaulted in their house by like Ooh. home invaders. It was bad. News, that man. is disturbing. We'll get, we'll get into it, but it wasn't that bad. Um. <laughs> hey, it sounds bad. For, for its say. time. You got to remember, Dean, this was like pre oh. everything else. <laughs> oh yeah. I was there. I was there. Were uh, you? Night Trap. Yeah, he was, he was probably playing Night Trap at five years old. <laughs> He's like, it's not that bad. You should raise on this shit. Well, I mean, if you look at it now, you, when they were That's making- what we're saying. You don't look at it now. You look at it in the context of the time that you were five years old in. Well, I mean, you, you'll you also look at it and you'll see how, like, campy and over the top it is. And you'll be like, seriously? Like people, yeah, but it wasn't characters. Remember, it wasn't. uh, We were not talking about sprites, and uh, it is. Yeah, it was live action, which we'll we'll talk about in a bit. But it was okay. Well, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, I'll I'll show you guys a video after the recording session because this has gone on about thirty minutes (laughs) longer than I thought it would. (laughs) You didn't know we were going to end up rambling like this. Come on, (laughs) seriously, I I kind of knew, but. You can edit it down. It'll be 30 minutes. No problem. Yeah. Night Trap. Utilizing the full motion video capabilities of the Sega CD, Night Trap tells the story of a group of scantily clad sorority girls during a sleepover. Of as, course. As they are besieged by the Augers, a group okay. of vampire aliens bent on capturing, torturing, and draining the girls of their blood. Uh huh. The player assumes the role of a member of the Sega Control Attack Team, or SCAT. Oh, God. <laughs> Who watches live surveillance footage and can activate oh, and can activate various traps. Preventing Scat's the- coming to save us, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Preventing the augers Jesus, from capturing. This is why I was never in a sorority. <laughs> preventing the augers from capturing the house's occupants. Despite the game being presented as a parody of campy vampire B-movies, critics of the game pointed out themes of gratuitous violence and sexual aggression towards women. I'm just going to say, not that this is positive, but this isn't exactly a new theme. The whole sorority house being attacked by a thing. And blah, blah, blah. Now they're going to be like, oh, it's violence against women. Like, motherfuckers, look around. Like, There's let's a- just pick video games to pick on. Like, I mean, look, look at every horror flick until Buffy came along. Come on. Anyway. But who are you going to (laughs) call? Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Seriously. What? That was the. okay. Maybe they were just maybe they were just big fans of improvisational jazz singing. There you go. <laughs> then they should have had that kind of soundtrack, did they? I don't believe they did. 
No, no guys all come in with berets on and <laughs> 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 I See, think now, I used... that would have been a whole different game. <laughs> a different game. <laughs> they're they're coming in. The girls are like, ah! <laughs> they're like, skimmy drop, blah blah blah. <laughs> Hannibal Burris tells this joke of when he was writing for Saturday Night Live, and uh, Megan Fox was hosting that week, and Hannibal pitched an idea of a sketch where Megan Fox would solve crimes by scatting. <laughs> and they got it got far enough where like they rehearsed it. No, they they I think they did it for the like when they do an episode of Saturday Night Live, they do it like the night before for like a test audience. Oh, right. And then uh, like the next night they end up what they do is they like cut out the ones that didn't land right. Uh. And then and so they do like the better skits like actually on Saturday night and it got to like the pre-show night and they did it and it didn't go very well and they ended up cutting it. But Hannibal Burris is like, <laughs> at least I got Megan Fox to scat. Right. <laughs> you know, he came up with it just, just to do that. He's like, you know, what would be cool. <laughs> oh man. Megan Fox doing something totally out of character. Oh man. Ugh. Okay. Right, so there it was uh, night. So there's Night Trap. And we also have Lethal Enforcers, comprised yeah. entirely of digitized actors and graphics. The player assumes the role of Chicago Police Department Officer Don Marshall as he battles a major crime organization that has gripped Chicago in terror. The home version. Chicago again rearing its lofty head in the view. Yeah, there it goes. It's not the second city, it's the first. The home version of the game came with the Konami Justifier, a light gun necessary to play the game that, while colored baby blue, was shaped somewhat realistically like a revolver. Uh-huh. Photos of Senator Lieberman holding the holding the Justifier were widely circulated during the hearings, and points were made that these video game developers were arguably rewarding children for shooting realistic images of people at a time when concerns of gun violence were on the rise. Like, not unlike, you know, not anything like today. While the yeah, we cleared all that up. Yep. Thank goodness. Oh, woof. While the purpose of the hearings basically boiled down to regulate yourselves or we'll do it for you. Many video game representatives at the hearings were quick to announce that several companies had met independently and agreed to independent, an independent governing body to better educate parents about the content of their video games. Mm-hmm. They mentioned this several times during the proceedings. Howard Lincoln, vice president of Nintendo of America, and Bill White, vice president of Sega of America, both appeared as witnesses during these proceedings. While most spectators had assumed that both parties would work together to protect the artistic integrity of their output, the two constantly attacked one another throughout the proceedings. Just like, Mm. seriously, a bunch of penises. Lincoln. uh, (laughs) It's also clinical. They're they're just being dicks. I mean, mean, had it been two women, it probably wouldn't have been done. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Lincoln, a former lawyer in his own right, was used to the courtroom and delivered polished speeches about how Nintendo already had strict guidelines in place about what they would or wouldn't publish. White, on the other hand, was relatively experienced, and the company he represented prided itself on being almost everything Nintendo wasn't. He stumbled multiple times throughout his testimony, but one thing couldn't be denied. 
the congressional hearings more or less resulted in free advertising for both companies. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. which is why they were there. Yep. Like, yeah, let me be an expert witness. Wear my Nintendo hat while I'm on screen. I wonder, like, okay, so it totally could have been like them just going at each other because you're Nintendo and I'm Sega. But I wonder, I guess it would have come out by now if they were like behind the scenes going like, okay, like you come at me like this. And then, then I'm going to come at you like this and we'll get headlines like this. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that was the case purely because I, I just know that like Nintendo and Sega, they were constantly at each other's throats. Um, yeah, but rivalry sells. Though. It does. Funny. Yeah. You guys remember the, uh, the Pepsi challenge in the day? Yeah. The whole I idea was to, yeah. Oh, to utilize. Yeah, it was about basically uh, it, it worked to Pepsi's favor because, you know, they could sit there and claim that nine out of 10 people would, you know, blindly taste test the two and Pepsi would win, you know, even though Coke was the big seller. Right. And Coke actually didn't sue them over the whole shebang because Coke is like, yeah, but we're the big seller. So what are you going to do about that? Right. <laughs> so, so basically all it did was it, it, it mammothly boosted Coke and Pepsi sales, both of them. And uh, and Coke got it for free, and Pepsi did gain a couple of points of market share out of the deal. And nobody lost money on the deal. Everybody. Yeah. Wow. The only one who lost was Sprite. No, that's a Coke product. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they, they caught all the people that were like, "No, Cola's bad." They were like, "Well, we just happen to have something for you." Oh, God damn it. In the end, seven video game companies created the Interactive Digital Software Association, an independent group dedicated to creating an industry-wide software rating system. Sega suggested using its own video game rating council as a basis, but Nintendo rejected the idea, not wanting to use a system developed by their competitor, Mm. and it was actually also rejected by Senator Lieberman for being too vague in the first place. It only had like three different ratings. I think it was like <laughs> everyone, 13, and mature audiences. Blood and guts. <laughs> yeah. So if you're 14, you can handle anything. Instead, the association created the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, or ESRB, in 1994. This uh. board... This board established five age-based ratings for video games, which included EC for early childhood, K to A, kids to adults, which was later named E for everyone in 1998, T for teen, M for mature, and AO for adults only. Mm-hmm. With the which rating beyond mature somehow, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that means penises and boobies. Um, Meredith, we will we'll get into this probably at some point, but porn games are definitely a thing. I know. I've heard about Sims. Uh, no, no. Like this is like way beyond. But isn't that the whole point of Sims? No, the whole point of Sims is to kill your Sims. I'm talking. What? Yeah. What? We've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, You have to find like fun ways to kill your Sims. No, I don't like this. Maybe that's why I blocked it out. No, I'm talking. There's actually a game called Beat 'em and Eat 'em. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about cookie dough. It's not (laughs) because cookies don't have feelings. Okay. With the rating system in place, Nintendo was free to publish previously untouchable software. 
With the runaway commercial success of Mortal Kombat, a sequel was inevitable. When Mortal Kombat 2 was ported to the Super Nintendo system with an M rating, this version easily outsold the inferior Sega Genesis version, leaving Ooh. the blood and guts in this time. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That is it's the like st- saying I'll sell you the chocolate chip cookies with no chocolate chips in them. You're like, well, <laughs> what is the point? Yeah. A Mortal Kombat, nobody dies. Come on. I do want to say, like, a thing about rating systems. My parents i remember this clearly there was movies we were trying to decide on a movie and i remember saying what about this movie don't remember what movie it was but they were like well it's pg-13 and i was like i am 13 and like that they asked me that the whole freaking year and i believe into the next year and i was just kind of like wow why does we keep having this conversation like uh fun fact jurassic park is directly responsible for that age rating oh really why was it not supposed to be viewable by 13 year olds no there was a uh jump between pg and r before that yeah ah in fact one of my favorite movies of all time jaws is a pg movie yeah and there's a kid that gets chewed to a bloody pulp on the beach off of his raft in that movie aside from quint being bitten in half and I'm like, I'm traumatized by this movie as a kid. Don't get me wrong, in a great way. I was like, God, this movie was awesome. But that was PG, you know, just parental guidance suggested. Like, you know, there might be a couple of things that you find disturbing, but people got munched in that movie and it wasn't rated R. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. I do remember people like every day on a certain day of the year, people are like, remember what's his name? And it's the kid from Jaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember when it is, but it, it the, shows up. The meme shows up at a certain time every year. Uh, oh, yeah. Poor, poor kid was the, uh, the, the, the reason they were trying to close the beach because of the, the uh, kitten. I can't remember his first name, but it was Kittner was his last name for some reason. Oh, was of the it Alex? Uh, the, the, yes, it, it was Alex. Alex Kittner. Because yep. uh, that was, that was the, the mayor's thing. He goes, I'm going to stand here while you cut that shark open. And watch that Kittner kid spill out all over the dock. And I was like, okay, <laughs> he's got a point. <laughs> wow. You don't want that to be your selling point, the tourism in Amity. So, uh, yeah, there was, oh man, that was rugged stuff. By PG 13 standards today, it still wouldn't make the cut, yeah. but I still love it. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. Wow. All right. So, that's the story of Mortal Kombat and the creation of the ESRB. And rating uh, systems for video games, apparently. Well, there, like I said, there were there were like middling rating systems like beforehand, but they were like too vague to really be of any use. Mm. I mean, if you're a parent who doesn't know anything about video games, they probably appreciate the gradations. Yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a guideline anyway because. These days, you know, it's it's almost impossible to impose parental inc- in controls on things. It's yeah. like your kids can end around anything you want, but in certain ways, you always could, right? If you, yeah, yeah you can sell a porn mag to a kid, but there was always some kid who had an uncle or a father or somebody like that he would steal them from, he'd put them in his backpack or his bag and bring them to school. And that's how most guys I knew you ever saw, you know, a porno mag was because some kid, like, you know, smuggled one yeah. into a school. <laughs> and uh, now, you know, with kids having phones at an early age, how the I mean, hell do you protect against them not dialing up 
whatever the hell they want to look at and uh, and see and, and and get clips of and so forth like that. Talk about adults only. Yeah. You, you, the least of your worries is whether they can screen an R movie on their phone. Yeah. Right. So. Like that almost makes it more like enticing for a certain kind of kid. It's like, oh, it's adults only, and I got it. You know. <laughs> right. You probably put that into search. Right. I believe there's still an adults-only rating system for movies, but, like, nobody ever does it because there's, like, no way that you can market it. Yeah, it's called uh, NC-17. Oh, yeah. Meaning you cannot get in under 17, you know, unless you bribe the box office person or whatever. I remember going to see an NC-17 movie when I was 16. Mm. And fortunately, my friend and I were with her boyfriend, who was a little bit more of a fast thinker, because he was actually 17. Mm -hmm. And we got up to the movie theater, and he's like, um, how old are you guys? And he goes, uh, 17, 17, and 18. We were not, but, but he just jumped all of our ages up once, and the guy didn't question it. Well, there you go. So. The 18, you know, like, even, like, a little extra. Yeah. Over the edge there, (laughs) credibility-wise. I'm I'm shepherding these poor 17-year-olds. Right. <laughs> when I was when I was working up in Chicago, uh, I worked in an office, and one of my coworkers came up to me one day, uh, and it was right after South Park: The Fractured But Whole came out, and, which is named as such because the creators wanted to release a game with the phrase "butthole" in it. Mm. <laughs> South Park that's, guys were like that's... big on things like shock value, like that. <laughs> that is so canon. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> My coworker comes up to me and she goes, Dean, you know a lot about video games, right? And I was like, yeah. Oh, I remember this. And she goes, well, I just bought my son this this game, uh, the, the new South Park game. And I played a little bit of it myself. And she was like, is it a good game? I was like, how old is your kid? And she goes, oh, he's nine. Mm, wow. <laughs> and I go, listen, I don't want to tell you how to raise your kid. <laughs> But you might want to have a discussion with him before you get to the part where you infiltrate a strip club to search for the girl with the dick tattoo. (laughs) You're catching my subtle drift. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, man. Poor lady. (laughs) Do a little research on that one, because your kid's going to have (laughs) questions. At nine. (laughs) There's another part of that game where, because they're all supposed to be superheroes, there's another part of that game where they talk about how uh, your character's tragic backstory is you got your powers when you saw your dad fucking your mom. Oh. Hey. <laughs> oh. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I guess it has to be a traumatic experience. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> 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 I mean, but this is the thing, like, I know a lot of kids would have powers then. <laughs> On that happy note, I think Let it's... Me, a- can I make a, 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 an observation about some of the um, versions of uh, Mortal Kombat that have come out? You know, yeah. since please, all of this please do. Happened. And uh, is, is the, you know, the, the martial arts credentials that we bring to the table here. Uh, I just wanted to, to, to point out that success of some of the best versions of uh, Mortal Kombat are the ones where they did the motion capture and it has the most realistic fight dynamics in it. And it, it is 
crazy to me that people still don't understand that that kind of a uh, what do they call it a technical advisor or some sort of a, a quality control uh, you know uh, executive shouldn't be more a part of things when these when these kinds of things happen because when they originally recorded it it was above and beyond anything that anybody had animated because that was just somebody drawing some stuff out there and usually animators know action but they don't know martial arts so they're just putting some karate guys on a screen they get some real guys out there doing real things and all of a sudden people look at it and in your back of your mind you would, you could understand it and believe it so the same thing happens. Look at some of the, you know, the, the shows and movies that are out there. The whole 300 that led to The Watchmen, that led to John Wick. They kept upping the ante on that. And what is that? All it is is real martial arts going into the stunt work more and more and more. The born and identity. The mm-hmm. Right. Yes, exactly. My favorite one is, is a little bit goofy, but uh, if you if you can stomach it, Get a couple of beers one night and go back and watch the Charlie's Angels that Cameron Diaz and oh, never Drew Barrymore that. and Lucy Liu did. And then watch the second one, right? I do like Lucy Liu. The first one they did, and it had a choreography put together uh, by a well-known Hong Kong legend director named Yuen Wo Ping, right? He does the, the uh, he also did the original Matrix in terms of oh. his, uh, he did the choreography, right? So he puts these people through these boot camps that they have to do months of in order to execute the moves that he has choreographed for the movie. And he does it according to what the movie is. They're secret agents in uh, Charlie's Angels. They are, you know, otherworldly, you know, super tech beings in Matrix. So the fighting is slightly different in both of them. But you like watching the fights in both. And Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore and uh, Cameron Diaz kick ass in the first Charlie's Angels, in spite of the fact that it's a goofy movie. When they just when they go into action, you are like, "Give me the popcorn." I'm like, "This is about to get badass," and it does. Nice Back one, complete goofiness, wire work up the yin yang. Oh, you can tell their skills had fallen off. They hadn't been training and practicing, and you know, getting ready. And they did a lot of jump cutting to make it look like things were more dramatic and whatnot. Like that. Just want to say that so that maybe a few of my <laughs> our martial arts compatriots can get some money as stunt coordinators and make these things just a little bit more palatable. Because even if you don't train, you're, you you kind of can intuitively tell the difference. I mean, it's it's true. It's the same in like, this is a little bit different, but in uh, fitness, when I, I still teach some cardio kickboxing and bag classes all to music, but because I've actually had the training, I can instruct people on the correct way to punch and the correct way to kick. And you find that even if people are there just to have fun, they like to know they're doing things the right way. Right. They like to see it demonstrated the right way. And they have more respect for you as a person up at the top in the front of the class if you are doing things and you look like you know what you're doing. It just, it's called authenticity. And I think we as a country and a nation, people should embrace it <laughs> in more of our lives. <laughs> a little, little integrity to this. So, uh, so don't get us wrong, you know, ripping somebody's uh, skull and spine out of their body in the video game, good. But, you know, <laughs> if we, if we want to, you know, surround that with creditable moves beyond that is what we're saying. <laughs> Just it's like world it's world building, my friends. And it, <laughs> there you go. It's also important. I would not say the first Mortal Kombat game has aged gracefully. Like it's no. one of, it's one of those things that you look at nowadays and you're like, people were upset about this. Yeah. But 
Well, we are all allowed to like learning, bro. Indeed. And, anyway. and we're we're just a really graphic society now too when it comes oh, to yeah. visuals out there. I mean, oh, it, when it's on too, because like you know, the the sex thing is way on the decline, and the violence thing is on the uptick, like you wouldn't believe. You know. I wonder what that says about what our mental place is about in society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe everyone should odd. go hit a heavy bag. <laughs> <laughs> like, people are losing their mind because somebody's wearing some shorts, you know, in a movie that are too short. But but it's okay if a guy reaches into someone's chest and pulls. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's always like it's. I think that was a fatality, actually. It was. Like, I think Kano did that. I could be wrong. The, okay. There you know you what go. though? I I feel like that's flipped because I believe like. When I was younger, it was worse if people were like heavy making out on screen, but like people be killing each other left and right, and like that was fine. Yeah, but I so maybe it swung the other way. You could you could make a movie without nudity in in the eighties. I specifically remember my parents like stopping movies in the middle, telling us to leave the room. Yeah, they'd they'd watch the sex part and then let us come back in. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Keep you guys' heads clean. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, my uh, uh, social studies teacher decided to show us James Cameron's Titanic. And oh, yeah. Everybody knew about the part where Leonardo DiCaprio draws Kate Winslet nude. And, uh, yeah. and so he like got up and he covered it with his grade book. But like, <laughs> really? But the thing is, is like the TV was too big and his grade book didn't cover everything. So he like missed at one point and then gave up. Oh, man. <laughs> so grade book pasty was born. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so weird. Anyway. <laughs> nice. On that note, I think we'll draw this recording session to a close. Uh, Char- Charles, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a great uh, time. I'm glad you had a good time. There's a number of ways to get a hold of us. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Just search Opening Stage VGH. Uh, we don't have a Google phone number anymore because nobody used it, but I'll try and figure something else out. Uh, either of you have anything that you want to plug? No, I'm, not as yet. I'm always blogging at MeredithRayLions.com slash faster. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at MeredithRLions. There you go. If I ever get published, I'll, I'll give you guys a link to uh, you know where to go and get the uh the the reading in for for some of my sci-fi and horror stuff yeah or if you ever get like a website and you have like samples up there you go uh that about does it for today's episode charles again thank you thank you much thank you for coming this is opening stage vgh the video game history podcast for everyone and we will see you next time bye peace